Well, hello and welcome to Failing Up. Thank you, Jungle Jim, for that wonderful, wonderful musical introduction here on the 28th of December, in between Christmas and all the holidays and actually New Year's Day, kind of like a holiday limbo. You know, this is where people, you kind of, uh, you don't want to go to work, but you might be going to work, or you took the whole week off, or you're still pounding down all that cookies and stuff, you know, because your resolution is going to come up in about four days, so you figure, what the heck, let it rip, baby, let it rip, well, thank you, Jungle Jim, introducing us with that beautiful, beautiful, talented songwriter, my goodness gracious, this is Tim Marr on Failing Up, and we're coming to you from the Bowels Studio, located right on the shores of the mighty Seneca River, flowing, flowing right up into the Great Lake of Ontario, which then... Uh, feeds the mighty St. Lawrence Seaway. And if you get on the St. Lawrence Seaway, 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 as they say, Suave Seaway, welcome to the Seaway, the ways of making you talk. But if you get on the St. Lawrence Seaway, you'll cruise past 1,000 islands and come way up north and out onto the Atlantic Ocean and you go all the way around the world. Isn't that amazing? Or you can make a left and you can hit up to Toronto or go a little south and Get into Buffalo, Niagara River, watch the falls, get yourself over to uh, Lake Erie, another great lake, and then uh, Michigan and Superior, and just keep kind of cruising around. So it's really a great part of the country. Lots of waterways, lots, lots of escapes, I guess, uh, for me here. But um, here we are in, the, in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. As I mentioned, that in-between kind of zombie place, you know, you're coming down from... At least I am. I shouldn't say you are. Coming down from constant sugar and, you know, everything's... I've lost all track of time. And uh, I know it's December. I know it's the 28th. But it's it's kind of like a, a part of the year where you kind of, you know, you just kind of walk through it in a zombie state of mind until, bam, reality hits. Next thing you know, it's January 2nd. Ooh-wee, January 2nd. Then all of a sudden, man, i got to pay the Christmas bills. i got to get all the stuff out. And the reality hits hard. So this is kind of like that um, fuzzy wuzzy, had no fuzzy wuzzy. A lot of great gifts over the Christmas uh, holiday. More to come, I hope. I can only knock wood. But uh, one of the gifts I got was the um, autobiography of Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce uh, really... Um, the comedian that uh, just uh, revolutionized uh, stand-up comedy. You know, up until Lenny Bruce, the, you know, they were great comedians, and they they went up and they they told their jokes, had their one-liners, had their jokes, and moved on. But Lenny Bruce was really the first comedian that went up and used a kind of thematic comedy, storytelling comedy, and then really took it out to the edge. You know, and just blew away boundaries and you know, touched on subjects in very detailed uh, and explicit ways. You know, everything from sex to racism to uh, politics to uh, religion. I mean, he just didn't walk around them. He barreled through them, relating them to himself and also to what they're doing to society as a whole. Uh, really uh, a genius and, and one who challenged, you know, challenged the status quo in such a way that he was arrested and he was banned and he was censored, but he kept going. And, and, and a comedian that I believe just opened the doors, opened the doors for individuals like George Carlin and Richard Pryor, you know, these guys who came along and 
really uh, took comedy to a different level. They weren't telling jokes. They were making real raw observations. They were making real um, uh, points. And it was funny. They were doing it in a funny way, and they were incorporating themselves in doing it. I mean, they would tell the story and how the story related to them and how it impacted them. But the same way their observations were observations of those in the audience. They were our observations. They were our lives they were looking at. They were our lives that they were putting it back in our, and we were laughing at them. We're, oh my gosh, that's over that guy. That guy's so funny. Holy crap, he's so funny. Well, guess what? Your life is so funny because that's what he's talking about, honey. He's a funny guy. Everybody's funny. You're funny too, George Thorogood. But um, but just reflecting, and then the themes and the stories. And um, there's an equation that I've always uh, believed to be true, and that's pain plus time equals comedy. You know, so you take some painful situations, you add a little time to it, and then you repeat it, and you, and you bring it back to people, and then and you bring it back in a way. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny because he's talking about it, or she's talking about it, or it's their life or their observation. Like, yeah, I can't believe people think like that. I can't believe someone would do that. Guess what? I do that. I do that. Oh my goodness, Bob! That's what Bob. That's what you do. And the observations come back and just cutting edge. Um, and Lenny Bruce, you know, used uh, vulgar language, but didn't use vulgar language for the sake of vulgar language. Some comedians, especially when you get up there and they'll just start dropping f bombs, just for the sake of dropping f bombs, because they don't, they might not know what to do. But but Bruce, that was just the way he spoke. You know, his use of the he used the English language like uh, Van Gogh used paint, uh, bright and vibrant and heavy. You know, with broad, strong strokes and. And then the brush uh, marks lasted forever. Um, and then you think of George Carlin, you know, how George Carlin evolved and made us aware. It made us think. You know, people tend to forget is when you're is when you're using humor and it disarms. Humor disarms. And um, as a result of that, um, people don't realize that um, they're actually being made aware of something because it's so funny. It's entertainment. Well, it's entertainment, but guess what? It's information too. Information that they don't realize uh, they're getting and they don't realize the awareness because they're laughing. It's funny. It's funny stuff. Oscar Wilde, one of my greater uh, favorite writers, wrote, quoted, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. If you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. Oscar Wilde. And that's what great comedians do when they're up there uh, on the stage. And if you've done stand-up, it's a lonely place to be behind the microphone. But they're on behind that microphone, and they're reflecting life. They're reflecting how life has impacted them. And then they're, they're, putting, back out, back that, they're putting that back out there and saying, Hey, why don't you think about this for a while there, fella? Or a madam, or both of you, huh? And people sit there and they laugh, and maybe somebody gets oh, maybe somebody gets a little uncomfortable. Oh, geez, you know, I can't. Uh, I don't know if I think they're funny anymore. Well, I don't think they're funny because they made me uncomfortable. Hmm. But they are funny because life is funny, and they reflect that on us. Now that's stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. You know, it takes a lot of stones to go up and be a stand-up comedian. 
And there are those that are really are prepared and they have the scripts. And there are those that go up there and they pick a theme and they just go, like a Lenny Bruce. Uh, even a Robin Williams, even though he had themes, he went. But but they get up there and they get you thinking, you know. But it, but it's a lonely place up there behind that microphone, reflecting and, and and using your own experiences and reaching out and you know and and hoping people get it. And the only way you understand if they get it is if they laugh, if they laugh, and if they laugh, you've gotten through to them. You've broken through if they laugh, not just because they're they think it's funny, but because it hit something, it touched something inside of them. It made them think a little, so they laughed. You know, so stand-up comedy's up, you're up there, you know, by yourself and really tough. And, I, and I've never, I've only done it about five times and I bombed every time doing stand-up comedy. Then there's improvisational comedy. Improvisational, people will get it confused. Like people say to me, oh, you do improv, you must be a comedian. I said, no, I'm not really not a comedian, I'm more like an actor. Because improv Improv is the ultimate collaborative type of performance. Improvisation is where everyone up on the stage is dependent on everybody else to move the scene, to move the message forward. You know, you're really depending on who else is up there with you. You're not there to be the star. It's the scene. It's the message of the scene. And I think, you know, when you think of the great Second City casts, you know, when you think of the original Saturday Night Live and Not Ready for Primetime Players, how they took on, you know, political satire and they put on these great improvisational scenes where you know characters were giving and taking focus and they were strong characters and if you noticed on the original Saturday Night Live not ready for primetime players they didn't they didn't rely a lot on heavy makeup and prosthetics on their face they weren't so concerned about making themselves look exactly like the individuals in the scene they they really counted on the character being developed and, and working with the other actors but again that you know, Saturday uh, Night Live delivers that message and gets people think, oh, we'll laugh at that. But at the same time, they're delivering a very strong message because humor, humor disarms. Humor opens up a gateway. Humor opens up a gateway for thought. Humor, humor opens up a gateway to um, have people uh, have self-realization -real occur. You know, and some of the greatest leaders in the world, Abraham Lincoln, relied on humor. Because humor, humor lets people has people take their guard down. First of all, if somebody uses a lot of humor, they don't take it seriously. They say, "Oh my gosh, he's a clown. She's a clown." Ha 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 ha! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, what, what happened to me? They, I, while I was laughing, they got their way. That clown. But humor, um, like the Second City, and humor like Saturday Night Live, um, you know, people laugh and they watch it, and it, but it still gets you thinking. You know, it still gets you thinking. It still creates that awareness. It takes reality and takes it up to another notch where it's somewhat absurd, but maybe it's just a little bit too close to being realistic as well. Um, but it's the ultimate ensemble. So if you're if you're you know an improvisational actor and you're doing that, you're, you're you're counting on the characters and you're counting on your fellow actors in the scene and you're moving the scene forward. You're not there to be a star. You're not there to deliver some individual message. But together, you know the scene is going to deliver the message. The scene is going to to work to make to make that happen. A different genre. Who wants some lasagna? Is that lasagna? Who wants some lasagna? I haven't spoken a lot over the holidays. I think I've got too much sugar in my mouth. I have a sip of water here. Who wants some lasagna? Lasagna. Mm -mm -mm. There we go, a little water. Um, but the scene delivers the message. In the stand-up, it's it's the individual up there from their perspective delivering the delivering the message. But in both genres, that's what I was trying to say, genres, uh, the comedy 
the humor, the comedy um, disarms and allows those messages to get through a lot more effectively than if somebody stood up there and, and, and started, you know, talking about um, some of these subjects, you know, uh, back in the 60s, talking about homosexuality in the church and uh, all these topics, masturbation in the church and, you know, how it happened to them, you know, him and uh, or even the you know, early, you know, Second Cities and Saturday Night Live taking on uh, local officials and, and local ordinances and, and laws that were being passed and, you know, having Saturday Night Live with, um, you know, portraying Gerald Ford and then, and then Jimmy Carter and, and some of those other characters, but it brought the message home. I think it goes back even when you think about uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Rowan and Martin's Laughing, which was on, you know, 69, I believe, 69, 70, 68, 69, 70. That show was like the first political really, you know, just went on the edge. And it was like a big party. It was, I think it was on for an hour, but it was like a party, but each party had a one-liner. And they, it was all about current events. And it was a mixture of pop culture and culture, pop culture and politics. And it, it all kind of, and I believe Lauren Michaels worked on that show. And then that show kind of got, it was a great show. I loved watching that show. And that show disappeared. But it was a huge ingredient. And I think some of that ingredient was like kind of morphed into um, Saturday Night Live, the original Saturday Night Live. And as of recent times with Trump in office, Saturday Night Live has kind of gotten back to that. I, there's a, there's a, like 20 years where I didn't watch Saturday Night Live. I just didn't, didn't watch it. I don't know why. Just kind of busy. But then with, you know, then when the political upheaval occurs and we're questioning leadership, where do we run? Saturday Night Live is going through the charts, winning Emmys again. Uh, because they're reflecting on, on, on this buffoon of a president. But, you know, they're making, they're, you don't have to make a character of the guy. But they have, they find people, Al Baldwin, doing him. And, um, and doing the other cast of characters, you know, uh, you know, Kate McKenna doing, you know, everyone from, um, you know, you have the Mitch McConnells and uh, all these these cronies, you know, and uh, you know Jeff Spicer and all these guys, but they're all being done really well. And, and, and but but it wasn't that far from the truth because real comedy, real humor is not going too far from what actually occurred. It's just how you point it out to people, and whether it's someone on the stage with a microphone or if it's a it's an ensemble taking on a scene and a suggestion. It's how you, you give it to people. It's how they receive that message. So when you think back, or I think back, reading this autobiography about Lenny Bruce and how he was so raw and so honest and went up on that stage and uh, made people uncomfortable. He made them uncomfortable because he spoke about things you weren't supposed to talk about. As he said when he was growing up, uh, you know, they would say, that's my business, that's my business. You know, his aunt would say, that's my business when he was looking under the uh, cabin in her bathroom and finding all kinds. That's my business. Well, he took our business, the life's business, and puts it back in your face. And that's what comedy does. It takes business, your business, you know, your secret business. That they, oh, we don't talk about those things. And they put it right back into your face. And then you react to it. And that's humor. And the more that... Uh, we're in crises, the more absurd life becomes. And the more absurd life becomes, and the, well, as we're in greater crises, the more absurd life becomes, the greater the humor becomes. Just like we get great paintings and great music, we get great humor because the material is just being created hourly, by the minute, for these geniuses to take apply to themselves, and spew it back out. It's better than a news broadcast. Because they're, they're presenting it in a way, or they're performing it in a way, 
that isn't just feeding it to you, but the, but but you're reacting to it because you say, "Oh, I understand that. I know. Oh, I understand that. I know what that's like." Stand-up comedy, improvisation. You know, really powerful, uh, powerful messengers. You know, and. Um, and when one is arrested and censored and taken off of stages and not allowed back into countries because of because of the message and the way delivered, that's you know that's pretty petty stuff. That's pretty potent stuff. And um, uh, that's that's when that's when nerves have been touched. And then a generation is created after him. You know, a great generation. So many great uh, comedians now. Just so many. You know. Uh, uh, I can't even name them all, but the but but the themes and they're telling the stories and the observations. You know, I love listening to comedy, and I very seldom uh, this is I very seldom laugh when I when I'm listening to a comedian when I'm enjoying a comedian he or she, but I very seldom like belly laugh when I when I hear a comedian because I'm so or performance of improv I'm so caught up in what they're doing. You know, I'm so sucked into what they're doing. I'm so sucked into that. That I, I, you know, inside I'm just like, you know, bursting, but I, I'm not haha -ha laughing. I'm just like in awe of what they're doing, of their talent and their ability. You know, thank God we have those individuals, those great improvisers and those fantastic comedians to keep the message going, to keep awareness through humor. So in this day and age of out, we're all not out there doing each other in, but we're able to, to take some humor. And as we laugh, we think. Well, I think I hear Jungle Jim thinking of thinking, and he's playing that song, and it's time for me to check out of here, get back to my Christmas numbing, Christmas season now, holiday season. I think it actually skips from Christmas now to the holidays. We're in the holidays coming up to uh, New Year's Eve. I hate New Year's Eve, but I can't stand New Year's Eve. I can't stand New Year's Eve. I can't stand New Year's Day. Labor Day and New Year's Day because there's the end of something. You know, boom, done, over, boom, done, over. You know what I mean? Bam. That's your last piece of candy you will ever eat. Boom, done over. But in any event, uh, great, great time of year. I'm going to go have about 55 more cookies with no milk. And uh, look forward to talking again here on Felling Up. Take it away, Jungle Jim.